Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, church. How is everyone today? Happy Palm Sunday. This is a special week where we enter into what's known as Holy Week. How many of you grew up in a church tradition where you guys did the 40 days of Lent and kind of focus on that? Anybody grew up in that tradition? So you know what it's like. For those of you who aren't part of the tradition, um, it's, it's kind of like we're preparing our hearts for the cross. Just like much you do with Christmas, you have Advent. A lot of churches do Lent where you just kind of pre- prepare that Jesus is, is heading to the cross so this is considered the first day of Holy Week. And Corrie ten Boom was a special lady that survived the Nazi concentration camps. And she helped many Jews escape the Nazi persecution. And it was asked her after she became famous worldwide because of her stance and helping rescue many Jews. They asked her, Corrie, how do you stay humble How do you stay humble whenever all the world knows your name? And her reply was simple. She said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of that donkey and everyone was waving palm branches, singing Hosanna, did it ever, did you ever think for one moment that it ever entered the head of that donkey that it was all for him? She continued and said, I want to read this, it's really powerful. If I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, then I give him all the praise and all the honor. So I want to ask you the question is, Jesus makes his way Palm Sunday as he enters into the city of Jerusalem. What would it be like if Jesus went into your hometown? If Jesus came in the year 2022 or 2030, whenever you're watching this online, if Jesus came into your hometown, would you be ready? Would you have the palm branches out? Would you be crying Hosanna? So today we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. You can go ahead and turn there. There's also a listening guide you can follow along. We want to welcome everyone watching online also. And as we read this, I just want to kind of give you the backdrop. The traditional calendar for Holy Week is today is Palm Sunday. It's where Jesus enters into Jerusalem and presents himself officially as the Messiah. Monday, so tomorrow, we're celebrating the cleansing of the temple That's where Jesus drove out those who turned the church into a business. And he said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. On Tuesday, there's the controversy with the religious leaders that challenged Jesus. On Wednesday, apparently a day of rest. There's not really anything mentioned in the Gospels. Thursday is preparation for the Passover. And on Friday, we celebrate Good Friday. Something Warren Wiersbe brings out that we should note is the Jewish calendar is different than ours. Whereas we are 24-hour days that begin at you know, 12.01 a.m., the Jewish calendar is from sunset to sunset. So basically, our Thursday evening is the start of the Jewish Friday. So that's, that's something to remember as you celebrate Good Friday. So let's look in Luke 19 as we launch this Holy Week and as we prepare ourselves for Good Friday and Easter next Sunday. If you'll read along with me, 
When he had said this, he went on ahead to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near Bethphage and Bethlehem, at the mount called Olivet, that Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and there you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, Why are you loosing it? You shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way found it just as Jesus had said to them. But they were loosening the colt. As they were doing it, the owner said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So before we read verse 39, the parallel accounts talk about, they, they use the word Hosanna. They screamed out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now notice the reaction of the religious leaders, verse 39. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, the stones immediately would cry out. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we give you thanks and praise for your word. We ask and pray that you would speak to our hearts. We ask and pray that as we see the king's royal entrance into the city of Jerusalem to present himself publicly as the Messiah, that God, we would take a trip back in time and we would find ourselves in the crowd singing Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, welcome to everyone. I've entitled this The King's Royal Entrance. Five observations from Palm Sunday. So what I want to do is I want us to go back in time. Imagine going back on a trip, approximately 32 AD, and we see Jesus entering into the city. And there's a lot of people in the crowd, and Jesus is walking with his entourage. Most likely it's his 12 apostles. There's some other disciples with his entourage it's probably likely that Mary, Martha, and who else is with them? Lazarus. So they're, they're, they're having this entourage come in. And so his crowd meets the crowd along the way. And there's five observations. Number one is Jesus was determined to accomplish his mission for his first coming. Look back at your scripture passage at verse 28. It said, when he had said this, he went on ahead to Ahead, going to Jerusalem. Now, what, what, what did Jesus say? Well, you've got to go back to Luke 19. In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus declared his mission. He said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was, anybody know? That which was lost, right. And then he gave the parable of the minas, which is a parable about stewardship, that we all have gifts, talents, and abilities, and one day we're going to have to stand and give an account of what we've given to the king. So all that together, after Jesus spoke that, he went on towards Jerusalem. Now we know that his mission was a death mission. That's the most mysterious thing about the person of Jesus Christ. Not only is he 100% God, 100% man, but he came on a mission to die. 
And I want to speak to all the parents and grandparents. Can you imagine your child being born and you know that even before that child's born, their mission is a death mission? And why was Christ's mission a death mission? Well, it's kind of like this, because of sin in the world. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? It's death. The problem is we've offended God and only God can make it right. There's just one major problem with that is that someone has to die and God can't die. So if God has to die but he can't die, how can God die? Am I I'm hurting your minds yet? It's, it's a paradox. It's a puzzle. And that's where the incarnation comes in. That the second person of the Trinity, the eternal son of God, put skin on. And he came down to earth so that he could live the perfect life that you and I could, you and I could never live. And that he could die a sacrificial death in our place and on our behalf. And so that he could rise again. So part of the Easter story is that God came to die. And when we talk about God dying, we're not saying that when Jesus died, God was dead. We're talking about his physical body died as an atonement for our sins. A good parallel passage as you enter into Holy Week is Isaiah 53. It talks about the suffering servant, how by his stripes we are healed. So a good passage I would encourage you to read with your family, with your kids, the suffering servant. So Jesus went on ahead to Jerusalem. Even though that suffering awaited him, he went on ahead. Even though death awaited him, he went on ahead. He went on ahead for a mission. In Hebrews 12, 2, if we'll throw this on the screen, the author of Hebrews tells us this. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now listen to this next phrase. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So think about that. Even though Jesus was going to the cross here, it says, for the joy before him. What was the joy before him? Number one, I think that was the glory of God the Father. He had left the majesty of heaven from whence he came, and he was getting ready to return back to his former glory in heaven. So that was number one. But number two, while Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. He came for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. Jesus' mission was to glorify God by living the perfect life and dying for our place on the cross. So Jesus made his way to Jerusalem where he would spend his last week before his death getting ready to offer his self for us. Whenever the King of Glory steps in, whenever he shows up, our praises should rise up. Someone say, Hosanna. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Second observation. Jesus sent two of his disciples on a unique mission. Look back in verse number 29 again. It says, It came to pass, he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany to Mount called Olivet, and he sent how many disciples? Two of his disciples. What we've got to realize and be reminded of is Jesus worked in twos. He chose 12 apostles and he sent them out by how many? In groups of twos. We're told later on that he had a, a group of 70. And how did he send them out? Groups of twos. Fast forward to after the resurrection, we find the early church. We find Peter and John working together, right? And we find Paul and Barnabas working together. And remember the tift over John Mark, then it became Paul and Silas. So here's the question I have for us today on Palm Sunday. Is who are you working together to advance the mission? 
God works through twos. So if you're doing it solo, then you need, you need someone with you. And if you do it solo, guess what? You're eventually going to get burned out. Even though Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, he chose a group of disciples to do it with. So I want to encourage you, whatever God has called you to do, you're not called to do it in isolation. You're called to do it together. Jesus sent his disciples out with two. Now notice the uniqueness of the mission. What were they told to go get? Go get a donkey, right? And the colt. And you're like, well, if you read the parallel gospels, one talks about the colt, the other one talks about the donkey and the colt. And you're like, what was it? Well, most scholars putting the, the accounts together, you had a mother donkey, hee-haw, and then you had a colt. Has anybody in here raised donkeys before? Anybody at all? All right, nobody in the first service. If this was Haywood County or Madison County, would have half the church raise their hand. So a colt, I had to Google it because I didn't know exactly how old a colt was. But if you Google it, it'll say a colt is a donkey less than four years old. So you had the mother donkey and you had the colt. And if you put it together, most likely what happened is Jesus rode the mother donkey initially because the mother donkey was stronger and can get him further. And then as he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem, then he switched to get on the colt. Why would Jesus get on the colt? We'll talk about that in a little bit. He was fulfilling prophecies from the Old Testament that the Messiah would come in on a colt. So Palm Sunday is a reminder to all of us that God likes to use ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary, amazing grace in the world. That he's called us to enter into this mission. That he's using common people like you and like me to partner with him and to do things that are going to change history. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. So when the royal king shows up, let your praise rise up. Hosanna to the king of kings. All right. Lesson number three. Point number three. Lessons from the back of a donkey. Now, I think we have a picture of a donkey. This is one of my favorite things. And if I was teaching kids church, this would be my favorite point to to camp out on. And, you know, if I would have thought ahead, I probably could have brought a donkey and got on the back of it. But it had been a little smelly. But there's a lot you can learn riding on the back of a donkey. And you're like, what are you talking about, Timothy? Let me give you a first lesson. The first lesson is a lesson of humility. So Pilate, what kind of animal did he ride? He rode a horse, right? A horse represents strength. And often when you ride into a, a, a city with a horse, it could also represent war, right? Whenever you ride in a city on a donkey, is symbolic of peace. Like, I'm bringing peace and also humility. So Jesus is the great Prince of Peace. He's coming to die on the world so that we could have two types of peace. Peace with God, meaning that we're forgiven of our sins, and the peace of God. You ever notice that once you have peace with God, then you can have peace of God, like daily peace that helps you go through life? That's so exciting to have the peace of God. So he he rides in on this donkey, and he's... Doing this as an example that he's coming to bring true peace to the true people of God. He's, he's riding in on this donkey. And all through Jesus' public ministry, whenever someone says, I'm going to tell about Jesus being the Messiah, like the lepers being healed, other ones, he said, don't tell anyone. And why did he say not tell anyone? Because it wasn't time to publicly present himself to the entire public, I am Messiah. But in this day, in this time, on this first Palm Sunday, Jesus publicly presented himself and welcomed the praise because his time had come to be presented as the Messiah. And because they rejected him, it was his time to go to the cross. So we see the lesson of humility. Second lesson 
is a lesson of purity. Whenever you think about the donkey, you're like, Timothy, when I, let's throw the donkey back on the screen. When I think of a donkey, I don't think of purity. They smell, there's flies all over the place. But there's one thing the scripture wants you to know. This cult was unbroken. What does it mean to be unbroken? Wild. No one had ever ridden on that donkey. And you may think that's a coincidence, but let's go back. When Jesus made his way into the world, he came through what kind of womb? A virgin womb, right? Fast forward to his death. He died and was laid in a virgin tomb. No one had ever been laid in the tomb. So the beginning was a virgin womb. The end was a virgin tomb. And as he rides in on this donkey, guess what? It's an unbroken. No one had ever ridden on it. And so what that symbolizes is purity. That Jesus came in purity and also to bring us purity. In my 20s, I used to be a youth pastor. And as a youth pastor, you give these true love waits talks about saving yourself for marriage. And one of the things I used to say to the teenagers, like, even if you've messed up, okay, even if you've messed up, you've done things with your boyfriend, girlfriend, you shouldn't, the gospel gives us second chances that you can be pure again. That, that you can be made new again. And that's, that's true for all of us, no matter what you've done in your life. Because of Easter, because of the resurrection, this changes everything. It's the message of purity. In 2 Timothy 2.20, let's throw the scripture on the screen. 2 Timothy 2.20, let's the next one. It says that in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if someone cleanses himself from the latter... Notice what happens. He will be a vessel of what? Of honor. He'll be a vessel of honor prepared for every good work for the master. So I want to ask you today, are you a vessel of honor? Have you prepared yourself for the Lord? And you're like, well, Timothy, you don't know my past. Listen, I don't have to know your past. I know that Jesus died for your past, your present, and your future. And Easter is all about Jesus riding in on that donkey so that he could head up to Calvary's hill, so that he could die for our place, die for our sins. So we have a lesson of purity. Another lesson is a lesson of usefulness. Usefulness. Now, there's something amazing about this donkey, and there's a paradox. Whenever they go to loosen the donkey, the owners are like, hey, what are you doing taking my donkey? And what's the response? The Lord needs him. Now, doesn't that present a little bit of a paradox in the passage? I've been told all my life that God needs nothing, right? How many of you have been told God needs nothing? Well, how in the world can it say that God needs something if God needs nothing? You ever thought about that? God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need this. God doesn't. He has everything. He owns the cattle and the thousand hill. You could add thousand donkeys too. So why does it say God needs something if he needs nothing? Well, it's a paradox in the past. Here's the paradox. God needs nothing. He is the creator. He's the sustainer. God could speak and there'd be a thousand hee-haws, right? He could do it. But where the mystery comes in is the incarnation. In order for Jesus to come to earth, he had to put upon him a human body. So the God that was everywhere present was now present in a physical body. The God that spoke worlds into existence is now relying to Mary to feed him as a baby. Jesus willingly limited himself. He did not give up any divinity. But the Bible says he lay aside his rights and his privileges. Cross-reference Philippians 2 if you want to look it up later. Even though Jesus was fully God, he, he decided to limit himself to a human body. 
So the one that spoke worlds and galaxies and stars into existence is now purposely, willingly limiting himself to have needs. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. Anybody tired today? Jesus was tired. Jesus wept. Jesus entered in time to space. So here's the paradox of grace. God needs nothing from us, but God chooses to work through us. So it's theologically accurate to say God needs nothing that's true. But you know, God has willingly chose for you guys to represent his body. And you guys to be his hands and feet. So even though God could preach the gospel through angels, he's choosing to speak through us. Even though God could speak worlds into existence, and he did, he's choosing right now to speak through you. You are his hands and feet. So here's the question I want to ask you on Palm Sunday 2022. Have you given your donkey for the Lord? And you're like, well, Timothy, I don't have a donkey. I just raised my, I didn't raise my hand when you asked the question. I have a donkey. Let me define what the donkey is. The donkey then was a literal animal that smelt bad and had a loud, high-pitched noise. Your donkey now, in 2022, is anything that you can give for the Lord's service. Notice, as soon as Jesus got on the donkey, what happened? He went forward with his mission. So your donkey is anything useful that can bring the mission of Jesus forward. A lot of us, our donkeys are still parked at the stall. They're still tied up. And if you want to make an eternal difference in the kingdom, you have to untie your donkey. You have to allow Jesus to ride on your donkey. And you have to progress the kingdom forward. So what that looks like is different for all of us. Some of you have time as your donkey. You have more time than you ever have before. Are you using it for the kingdom? Some of you are creative geniuses. Are you using your creativity for the kingdom? I believe that the church should be the most creative organization on planet earth. Because we are made in the image of God. We are created by the creator to be creative for the creator. Are you using your creative creativity? Some of you are engineers and scientists and in the medical field. How can you use that for the kingdom? Some of you are computer programmers. How are you using that for the kingdom? Some of you have the gift of leadership. How are you leading people forward in the mission of God? Are you allowing Jesus to ride upon your donkey this Palm Sunday? Someone said, Amen. And then we have the, the lesson not only of usefulness that God, you know, He doesn't need your stuff, but He wants to use it because He's chosen, chosen people to, to do His ministry. We have the lesson of promise. Palm Sunday teaches us that God always keeps His promises. We serve a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. And you're like, what are you talking about promise? Well, whenever Jesus, let's throw the donkey back up for everyone with ADHD. This will help you get reconnected. <laughs> you're back with me. Uh, well, the donkey, here's the thing about the donkey, is that that was promised many years before. And you're like, uh, go figure it. Let me, let me give you the scripture. Zechariah 9.9. Are you ready? This is exciting. This is literally hundreds of years before this happened. Rejoice Greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a hee-haw, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So for all of my scientific people, I want you to know that 
the Bible is, is accurate. You can trust it. And a lot of people are like, some, many of us are, you know, can take that leap, leap of faith and we don't have to have it all proven to us. But some of you are very scientific. I, I encourage you just to study the prophecies of the Old Testament. How one person could fulfill literally hundreds of prophecies to the accurate detail. Let me, get, let me give you another one. This is Daniel's 69 weeks prophecy. So if you're taking notes, it's in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Daniel prophesied that when a certain event happened, there would be 69 weeks. And in the Jewish calendar, often weeks would represent years. So I want to give you a name. His name is Sir Robert Anderson. You may want to write that down, Sir Robert Anderson. See, he was one of the guys that was very smart. And he was a basically a, chemical, excuse me, a criminal investigator. So he could really research data from different court cases and he could break things down. So he did, a, he did his own investigative study. And what he figured out, if you take 69 weeks equal 69 years and you multiply that by 7 years, it equals 483 years. And then what he did is he took the Jewish calendar and multiplied it by the days in the Jewish calendar. And you may... You, Probably don't need to write this down. This may boggle your mind, but it equals 173,880 days. So I'll say that again, 173,880 days. And you're like, where is this going, Timothy? All right. In March 14th, 445 B.C., there was this edict by Artaxerxes about the, the, the Jerusalem walls to be finished. So he, he had this edict that the, the rebuilding of the walls and the gates would be finished. So get this, folks. If you take that date given... March 14th, 445 B.C., and you add 173,880 days, guess what date it takes you to exactly? It takes you to April the 6th, A.D. 32. And that's the very first Palm Sunday when Jesus was riding in on this donkey to present himself. That's biblical prophecy right there. And I know some people are like, well, what about the calendar? Some say A.D. You know, the years, I get all that, but regardless, it's, it's the exact, whether you say 8032 or 8030 with the calendar, it's, it's still the exact date from the prophecy. Isn't that amazing? So here's the thing. God fulfills his promises. Another lesson we have on the back of a donkey is a lesson of generosity. In order for Jesus to ride in on this donkey to accomplish his mission, one thing needed to happen. Someone needed to give up their what? Their donkey. And we know from the parallel gospels, there's two donkeys, a mama donkey and a foal donkey, less than, less than four years old. So here's the thing about generosity. In Proverbs 11.25, it says the generous soul will be made rich. Whoever waters others will also be watered himself. In Luke 6.38, it says give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So here's the idea is that you cannot outgive God. That whatever you give to move the mission of Jesus forward, God's going to just use that and multiply it. My wife and I, when we were married just a few years, we read this book by Robert Morris called, it was basically The Blessed Life is the title of it. And the idea was whenever we have something in our hands, it, it can add, but only when we put it in Jesus' hands can it multiply. You think about the little boy with five loaves and two fish. If it was in his hands, yeah, he would have had a lunch, right? But when he put it in Jesus' hands, what happened? It multiplied. So my challenge for you, I don't know what your donkey is, but my challenge to you this Palm Sunday is whatever you think could advance the mission of God forward, it needs to be put in God's hands. 
Because while God needs nothing, he chooses to work through people, right? So he desires you to use what you have to bless him. And the final lesson is the lesson of celebration. That God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. Notice their acts of celebration from our passage today. They threw their clothes on the donkey. They had these palm branches waving. How many of you have ever been given a palm branch in church on Palm Sunday? The kids come in. And so in our culture, there's not a direct correlation that we can think of other than rolling out the red carpet. That in that day, when they threw their clothes in the road, when they threw palm branches, that would be like kind of like the American culture of rolling out the red carpet so the king of glory can come in. And Jesus was coming to fulfill his mission. So whenever the royal king shows up, your praise should rise up. Hosanna to the king. Someone say, Hosanna. All right, fourth observation is this. Realize that when you raise praise, others are raising what? Criticism. Look back at verse 37. That when Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, as he was nearing the descent of the Mount of Olives, I understand it's about two miles or so away from Jerusalem. The whole multitude began to rejoice. Praise God with a what voice? Loud voice. <laughs> and notice, skip down to verse 39, the response. Some of the Pharisees called to him and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. So here's the thing. Whenever you get excited about God, guess what? Some people will say, quiet down. You're too loud. You're too emotional. You're too celebratory. You're too demonstrative. Boy, are we enthusiastic. H-A-P-P-Y. You need to settle down, right? And it's been told, and I kind of agree with this, and it's not true of this church, but in some churches you go, if you just get saved and you're on fire for God, you have to backslide in order to have fellowship with the church. Because they're like, hey, shh, chill out. Don't be so excited. (laughs) It's just Jesus we're talking about, right? I'm, I'm serious. Some churches, it's like... You would think that Jesus is still on the cross the way they act. We, we've got to be a little excited because Jesus is not on the cross. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. So they were saying, Jesus, you are king. And notice the scripture. It says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, that reminds me of something else earlier in Luke. Luke, who said that, that, past, that phrase about peace in heaven? It was peace on earth, Right. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is something about Luke's gospel. This is amazing about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, all 66 books of the Bible are breathed out. They're, they're, they're the inspiration of God. At Arden, we believe 100% of it. We even believe the maps in the back. Just kidding. But we believe all of the Bible. And here's the thing. Dr. Luke, who's a doctor, he likes to have a strategy of how he presents it. So in the beginning... He's like, this story all began with Jesus coming down. Glory to God in the highest. And guess what? This peace is coming down. The Prince of Peace is coming down so that we may have peace. And now that Jesus is heading to the cross, guess what? That peace is ascending back from whence it came. That's just, wow. Thank you, Dr. Luke, for giving us that. So it brings us to the final point. And this is perhaps my favorite. Don't let the stones steal your song. In verse 40, if you guys will look down at your scripture passage, you may have to flip back. I want you to look at this. Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, notice what he says, immediately the stones would do what? 
cry out. So here's the, here's the major theme I want you to walk away with on Palm Sunday. If you don't praise God, somebody or something else will. And here's the thing. Jesus announcing that if these don't praise me, these inanimate objects will. I want you guys to know this was a direct declaration of his divinity. Jesus was welcoming worship and praise. This, he's saying, I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. And can you imagine, what if the disciples would have been quiet? What if the disciples would have been quiet? Jesus said every rock around us would sing out. Did you know this would have been the first rock concert in all of history? I like that laugh in the audience. Thank you. So here's, here's the bottom line. Don't let the stones steal your song. Don't let the pebbles take away your rejoicing. Don't, don't let anything or anyone take your praise. Because here's what happens. Notice that when Jesus was walking and he was riding on the donkey, they were rolling out the red carpet, so to speak. Jesus went forth into the town. The Bible says that God inhabits or praises. So here's the thing. God is everywhere present. We believe that. We believe that God is omnipresent. But what, what, what we're saying is when you praise, God shows up. We're not saying God's not already there. We're saying that you experience God in a way that's intimate, that's personal, that's relational. So whenever you praise and you don't feel like it, guess what? You're rolling the red carpet out saying, Hosanna, come. Hosanna, come. And does anybody know what the word Hosanna means? It'd be bad for us not to say what it means, saying it all that. Is it, someone say it out loud. What does Hosanna mean? What's that? Say it louder. God with us. That's Emmanuel. Good guess. Hosanna means Lord, save us. Lord, rescue us. Lord, deliver us. So here's the idea. Jesus was the Messiah. He was coming to the cross. And he's the only one that could save us. Religion couldn't save us. Good works couldn't save us. Being a good person, a good, a good, you know, whatever, moral person could not save us. Only God can save us. Only Hosanna can save us. And to put what you said together, Emmanuel, the God came with us so that he could save us, right? You can combine Emmanuel and Hosanna. Emmanuel, God with us, came to save us. So this Palm Sunday, as we look at it, I just want to ask you, have you ever let a stone steal your song? Maybe you come to church and you're like, you know, I just don't like the style of worship. You know, I used to like it. I don't like it anymore. And, you know, here's the thing. Don't fall in love with the packaging. The style, whether the style of preaching or the style of music, all that is is rapping. Your focus should be on the present, which is the Lord Jesus himself. Don't, don't get caught up in style. If we went down the road to an African-American church and they were dancing and clapping and singing, we should be able to at least in our own personality enter into some, some, something like that. If we went down the road to a more liturgical and it was, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. We should be able to enter into that song because it's not about style. 
It's about the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether you're in Tanzania, whether you're down the road, whether you're liturgical, contemporary, classical, whatever, it does not matter the style. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ you're focused on. So be like, I just, I just can't enter. Listen, it's not about style. You have 167 hours a week to listen to whatever style you like. But when you come to Sunday, it should be like, whatever it is, I'm entering into it. Because Jesus gives us the formula for worship. He says, God is spirit, and if you worship him, you must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. So can you worship God in spirit, even though it's a little more formal, or a little more upbeat, a little more absolute, because it's not about the style. It's about the substance. It's about the person. As long as it lines up with scripture and it's your spirit talking to God, that's worship. So don't let that. Another excuse people give, well, I just can't sing, right? You ever been that? I, I'm just not a good singer. Just like me, I, I demonstrated I cannot sing. I, I, I'm aware of that, so you don't have to send me an email. I know I can't sing. Just for comedy relief only. Um, listen, the Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say I have to be good. It doesn't say you have to sound like Amy or Joe up here. Joyful noise. So here's the thing. Don't ever let a stone steal your song. Wherever you're at, whatever situation you're in, just realize God wants you to say, thank you, God. Hosanna in the highest. Glory to God because you've been with me and you're for me. So let's throw the big idea on the, on the screen here. Let's say it together. Whenever the royal king let your praise, Hosanna to the king of kings. So as we took a ride on the back of a donkey today, you can tell you someone at work Monday, what did you guys talk about? We were on the back of a donkey, okay? We learned some lessons on the back of a donkey. We learned about celebration. We learned about praise. We learned about usefulness. We learned about unhitch that donkey. God doesn't need anything from you, but he chooses to use you. So whatever your donkey is, whatever is going to move the mission of Jesus forward, let, let go of that donkey, okay? So three action steps, and we'll close. How can we apply this message, Timothy? It's been all over the place, I know. What's the first action step? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. One of my favorite hymns that I grew up singing is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And that's a song we should never forget because it's all about him. In the end, people come and go, names fade away, but there's one name that remains. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says that there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. All right. It's funny. I'm ending the sermon. I'm ready to preach again, but I've got to land it. All right. Number two, we have already mentioned this. Surrender your hee-haw to Jesus. And I, I don't know what your donkey is. I don't have donkey envy. I'm not jealous of your donkey. You should not be jealous of my donkey. All I know is God has given you at least one donkey person in the passage had two, okay? That's another sermon of the day. But you have at least one donkey. And the donkey represents your gifts, talents, and abilities that will move the mission of God forward. Jesus wants a ride on your donkey, but you have to loose it and you have to let it go, okay? And I'm not going to sing the Frozen song. I don't like it anyways. All right, number three. Proclaim Jesus even when you don't feel like it. Well, it's not my style. It's not... One, one final story, I love this. It's an old Francis Chan Goody. I don't ascribe to all his theology, but he has some good stories. One time, uh, he was standing at the door, shaking hands as people left. And someone said, Francis, you know, great preaching, but, and the music, I just didn't like the music today. It just wasn't my, wasn't my style, wasn't my flavor. 
And in that moment, Francis said, okay, that's all right. We weren't singing to you anyways. We were singing to Jesus. So whether you liked it or not, I wasn't, we weren't talking to you. It's not Timothy, I lift your name on high. Or, you know, we're singing to Jesus. Let's just always remember, it's always about Jesus. So a few announcements as we close is, I would encourage you to come this Good Friday. We're having a special Good Friday service. Uh, we're going to do things a little different, a little preview. We're going to be talking about Peter. And the question is, does God give second chances? Peter is heading towards the cross, but he goes astray. He's falling a distance. And then Peter's warming himself by the fire. And the question that we ask from Peter, it, does God give second chances at the cross? So it's going to be a very meditative, contemplative service. It's not one of these hallelujah, it's more of a quiet, coming quietly, quiet type service. So that's Friday night at 6. This Easter, we want to encourage you, bring a friend. We want to have standing room only in both services. And I would encourage you to come a little early. We're going to have the fellowship hall that's around the back of the church open for coffee, refreshments. Because we want you guys to fellowship. And what we're going to do is if this place fills up, which I hope it does, we'll have the fellowship as an overflow room. It'll be on the screens. So bring your friends. Come early. And let's pray that God will bring us a harvest. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I'm just, my mind for some reason, I'm thinking about that donkey. And um, I just realize I need, a, I, need, I need Jesus to write on what I can give. Even though he needs nothing from me, he wants to use me. So right now, with knowing and looking around, I want to pray for all the Christians. Is there anyone that would say, Timothy, I've got a donkey that Jesus could ride on. I've got a talent. I've got a skill. I've got ability. And I know even though God doesn't need anything, he chooses to use me. And today, this Palm Sunday, I want Jesus to ride on my donkey. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I'm raising my hands with you. God, you see the hands. And these hands are symbolic that, God, we let go. We let go. Whatever you're telling us to release, it could be finances that we have an excess of. It could be time that we have excess of. It could be that difficult person we need to have a conversation with. It's the community that we need to create. Whatever it is, God, we, we release it to you. Please forgive us for holding on to the things that are meant to move the mission forward. As believers continue to pray in their seats, there may be one here today that you've heard the gospel. The gospel that Jesus died for you on the cross and he rose again, but you've never received it. Yeah, you, you know it's true, but you've never asked Jesus to save you. You've never thanked Jesus for dying in your place. And today he's knocking on your door and he said, let me in. I want to have a relationship with you. And the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you've never accepted Jesus, today's the day. Don't delay it. Don't wait. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready. So right now, no one looking around. Is there anyone that say, Timothy, I need to make that decision. Today's the day. I've waited too long to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. No one looking around. Today's the day. Just slip up your hand. No one looking around but me. If that's you in person or online, I want you to say this prayer of faith. Say, Dear Jesus, today's the day. I believe in you and I place my faith in you alone. I do believe that you died on the cross and rose again. And Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would come into my life and I choose to follow you from this day forward. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we just want to say Hosanna to the King. On this Palm Sunday, 2022, in Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen.